Well, good morning. Welcome to the chapel. My name is Paul. I'm the pastor of our Montclair campus, and it's great to be here with you today. I just want to extend a welcome, as Brady said before, to anyone who's, this is your first day with us, where we are so glad you're here. I also want to say hello to everyone watching online in the acoustic service and over in Wayne, and there's one more place I think we're at. Is that, uh, where is it? Oh, Montclair, yeah. Uh, It's uh, welcome to everyone over in Montclair. You guys are great. You guys are a great uh, congregation. It's our pleasure. Taylor, Tiffany, and Katie and I, it's our pleasure to serve you over there. So welcome. We're glad you're here. I'll be back next week, so be careful what you're doing over there today. Um, But it's great to be here with you guys this morning. Um, If you've been here throughout the summer, you know that we're walking, uh, taking a couple weeks to walk walk through the book of Ephesians. Under the uh, title of the series is, Who Do You Think You Are? And we know that As we grow up and different voices speak into us, we have a lot of different pressures and voices talking to us, allowing us to form an identity and really to think who we think, to make us think who we think we are. Um, The issue is, and and what we've been doing this summer, the, the idea is that God has a lot of things to say about who we are, and we want to definitely lean into who He says that we is, rather than some of the voices maybe in our own heads or some of the influences that we've had in our life telling us who we are. So we're going to do that this morning, and today is actually the last message in this series of who do you think you are, and the answer to that question today is who do you think you are, and the answer is you are equipped. So we're going to be talking about that this morning. So as we get started, I want to ask a question. How many of you remember a time when you were growing up where you were able to ride in the car without having to wear a seatbelt? Just show of hands. Yes. All right, there's a lot of empty seats here, too, so we know, yeah. But, um, so you remember that, right? Now, this was, this was totally normal, and some of the, young, some of the younger families here are, are thinking, like, I cannot believe this. Like, how, in the, how could this happen? I can't imagine having my kids, like, free-ranging through the minivan as we're driving. But for lots of us, we, we grew up in this way, especially if you're my age, like, if you're in your 40s or you're a little bit older than that, you remember this. You would just load into the station wagon, and you would drive down the shore, and the kids would just be all over the place, and it was just a normal thing to do. However, after a long time, and unfortunately many incidences and many people getting hurt and more and more, and things worse than that, awareness was raised that that little three-inch seatbelt thing right next to you, that little strap next to you that took about three seconds to put on could really make a difference in your life and the lives of the people around you. So after this, many campaigns started to say, hey, buckle up, right? Buckle up, buckle up. It really helps you and it helps the people around you. So awareness was raised. But awareness wasn't enough because just because we knew about it didn't mean that we did it. So then it moved on to the idea of click it or ticket. So if you need to do it, you're going to do it because if you don't, you're going to get a ticket, right? So the idea was it wasn't just good enough to be aware of the problem because we all knew that there was an issue with not wearing a seatbelt but we also had to be equipped. So we put it on, click it or take it. Awareness and equipped moved together in the same idea. And we took both in order for us to make a difference, right? How many of you are gonna wear your seatbelts on the way out of here today? Good. It took awareness and equipping. And as we talk about what Paul is writing in in Ephesians today, in chapter six, it's the same idea. He's raising awareness and he's going to equip us with what we simply need to do in order to navigate the road of life that Christ has called us on. 
Now, there's a disclaimer this morning. If you've been in church, you've probably heard this passage preached a million times. So my hope for you is that you hear it and you can hear it with fresh eyes and fresh ears and maybe learn something from it for the first time that you haven't thought of before. Because when I was studying this, I said, oh, I, I know this one, I'm, pretty, I'm good. But as I studied it and learned it more and more, I saw some things that I'd never seen before. And that's my hope for you today if you haven't seen this or if you've, if you've been in church for a really long time. If you haven't been in church for a long time and this is your first kind of experience with Christianity or the Bible and walking through the Bible and, and learning about this stuff, I just want to let you know that this passage is a little strange. I just want to put that out there. It's a little bit strange because it talks about things that are happening in and around us that we cannot see. Forces of good and evil and kind of stuff that you hear about in the movies, but this passage talks about it, and we're going to unpack that in just a little bit. Sound good? The idea is to be aware and equipped. So here's the passage. It's up on the screen. It says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also know him, how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And there's a couple things that really stand out in this passage. So if you think way back to the beginning of the passage, where Paul opens up, you and I know that in life there are struggles, right? We understand that the struggle is real. Have you heard this saying before, the struggle is real? Each and every day there's a struggle that you and I go against, and just in general, there's a struggle in life. So the struggle is real. What Paul is beginning to introduce here is a different concept. What he wants us to understand is that the spiritual struggle is real. The spiritual struggle is real as well. So in some way, when we look at the verses in verse 12, it says, you know, we don't struggle, what we don't struggle against. So what he's saying is the idea is that there is unseen forces, things happening in and around us, over us, under us, around us, that we don't see a cosmic clash. Things are happening around us, and there's a real element to the spiritual battle that is going on in our lives. The, the, and when we understand this, I think we kind of land in two places when we understand that there is a spiritual element to what's going on. I think we land in two places. The first place we land 
is that we are over aware of this, right? We're over aware of this. So what this means is that any little thing that happens to us, we say, oh, it's the devil. He's coming after me. So if you feel something going on in your life and you feel wrong, you are ready to cast out demons, you are spraying the holy water, you are going crazy, you are going for it. And we know, and we know different camps like this, right? So there's people and different backgrounds that are all about this. So they're overly aware of it. So any little thing that happens, they go into that mode and kind of think it's the devil. It could be, it couldn't be. The, the, the question to kind of consider when, if we're in this camp is that it may be or it may not be. We don't want to give it too much weight for something that it isn't. Does that make sense? We don't want to give it too much weight if it's not really that. So the idea is that tonight, you know, you go home and you're going to get ready for work tomorrow. You pack your bag. You're going to go to the gym in the morning. You're excited about this. You want to start the week off right. You pack your bag. You're ready for the gym and then to work. And then you wake up and you have a splitting headache. And the idea, if you're in this camp, you're going to say, oh, it's Satan trying to thwart my plans. It may be, but it also may be that you just didn't drink enough water today, right? So we got to kind of balance those two things. So we're overly aware, or I think where we tend to land, where you and I tend to land, just because of who we are and how we are, is sometimes when, the, when we're talking about the spiritual struggle, you and I are un, unaware of it, right? We go through our lives, we go through the day-to-day -day things that, that just come at us, and we're completely unaware of this, and it just, it's not something that crosses my radar. And a lot of times for me, that's how I am. It doesn't simply cross my radar all the time that there may be a spiritual battle going on just because I can't see it, right? It doesn't cross my radar. The problem with that area and, and that kind of thinking of being unaware of it is that in verse 12, it says that for our battle is not against flesh and blood. If you can put that up there. It says for our battle is not against flesh and blood. Right? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. So if you're unaware of what's going on, you may be battling the wrong things. How many marriages and how many relationships do you know that are in trouble, that are battling probably in the wrong realm? We may be battling the wrong things if we're unaware of it. And all Paul's trying to tell us is that the spiritual struggle is real. And C.S. Lewis has a great quote about that to kind of give us perspective on it. He says this. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So there's two camps that we fall in. And all Paul is trying to tell us is that, look, he's raising awareness just like the seatbelt. The, the spiritual struggle is real. But just like the seatbelt... He goes on and he shows us how to be equipped. He raises awareness and now we're equipped. And he tells us in the following verses how we are to be equipped for this spiritual battle. It's up on the screen. Look what it says. He says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith by which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So he goes and he begins to, not only did he raise awareness, he shows us how we're actually equipped to handle life. He goes and he tells us six things, six pieces of armor that we are to have 
that can help us navigate the road of life just like we put our seatbelt on. He tells us where they are. And instead of going through all six, I just want to highlight three of them and, and just trying to get to the heart of what Paul is saying. Because, if you've been, again, if you've been to church, you've heard this before. The first thing he talks about is putting on the belt of truth. What does it mean to put the belt of truth on? I think, practically speaking, the belt of truth is simply being able to speak the truth to people. We speak the truth to people. We have the truth in us through Christ. And because the truth is in us, we are able to put on the truth and speak the truth in love to people, just as Christ has spoken the truth in love to people as well. Another gift he talks about is the breastplate of righteousness. And we're thinking, what is this? The breastplate of righteousness. All this is is a covering over our heart, a covering over our chest. And inside the breastplate of righteousness, what that means is simply this, is that our righteousness is the right acts that you and I do that reflect the character that Christ has given us. He has made a change in our life, and because he has made that change and given us new lives and brought the truth into our heart, we want to cover that. And because of that, we want to be able to, it changes our lives. It allows us to act rightly and do the right things around people and point people to Christ. The breastplate of righteousness is the covering over what Christ has done in our life, which flows out into the right things that we do. He goes on, and then he talks about having our feet equipped with the readiness that comes from the gospel. And this is a good one for me. This is really good. I, really, I, I like this one. I can't, again, we can't talk about all six of them, but the third one, our feet equipped with the readiness that comes from the gospel. And what he's talking about here is the idea that our feet, our feet, or our crutches, or our wheels, whatever we're on, whatever stabilizes us, our feet are a stabilizing force in our lives, just like the gospel is a stabilizing force in our life. And when we have the gospel, it allows us, like feet, to be stable and to move forward with confidence and hope in who Christ is and who he's called us to be. Like our feet also, our feet carry us, and it carries us into places and into relationships. And the gospel is the same thing. The gospel carries us and moves us into places and into relationships with people and allows us to make a difference in their life because the gospel has made a difference in our life. And our feet are equipped, stable, and ready to move us to make those differences in the lives of the people that God has entrusted you and I to be with. It's an awesome thing. And I think what Paul is talking about as he talks about all of these gifts is that the idea here is that just like a seatbelt, putting a seatbelt on after the accident makes no sense whatsoever. But after he raised his aware, our awareness about what is going on in the spiritual realms, he's equipping us and he says, put these on first like a seatbelt. Put it on first, and it will help you. So when we put on the belt of truth, we speak the truth first into relationships and the people around us. So we don't have to go back and speak the truth later. We speak the truth first in grace and truth as modeled by Jesus Christ. When we do it, when we, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness first, we do it first so that we don't have to go back and do the, we don't do the wrong thing first. We do the right thing first, and we don't have to go back and do damage control later. Paul says, put this on first before you enter into that battle. And finally, when you put on the gospel of peace and your feet are equipped with the gospel of peace that stabilizes and moves you, it allows you to be stable through everything that life throws at you. Put this on first. Understand and internalize the gospel and allow it to work in your heart and in your life. And when you do that first, we know how much of a difference that makes in our lives. So we are, he equips us. He, he raises our awareness 
and he shows us how we're equipped. So now that we know this, what are we supposed to actually do about it? We're aware, we're equipped, now what do we do? And the surprising thing about this, the answer is very surprising to me. When this is one of the things that really stood out to me about this passage. It's very surprising what we're supposed to do now that we're aware of this battle and we're equipped for this battle. Look at these verses. It'll be up on the screen. He says this, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It goes on in 13 and 14. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Did you hear the word that was repeated four times in three verses? Stand. And I'm thinking, you know, all right, there's a battle, we're equipped, let's go. Let's charge it, right? Some people are saying there's a battle, I'm equipped, let's get out of there. But what stood out to me was this word stand, and I'm thinking stand. Like, God, we're from New Jersey, like we don't stand. We go, like we charge. We, it's hard for us to stand still, we move. I don't want to just stand there. I got all this gear and there's a battle, like let's go. But what God says is stand. So I began to think about that, and I said, what, what in the world does it mean to stand? Because if there's a battle going on, like you and I, you know, being good New Jersey people, we want to go. We want to be a part of it. It's hard for us to stand. Maybe if we're from Pennsylvania, we wouldn't stand. <laughs> Taylor's thinking shots. Taylor's from Montclair from Pennsylvania. So he's saying shots fired. So, um, but to stand, what in the world does that mean? So I began to think about this, and in my own life, like, what does this thing about to stand? As he uses this word four times in three verses, we really need to pay attention to it. So maybe, and I'm trying to think about this generally, maybe to stand for someone who's under 25, I don't, there's categories, a younger person. Maybe for you to know that there's a battle and to be equipped for it and be called to stand, maybe you are called to stand on who Christ says you are. Maybe you are called to stand on the identity that Christ gives you. Maybe you have been challenged your whole life and called different things and you have different ideas about who you are, but maybe because of the spiritual battle that's going on and maybe because of the equipping that God has given you, Christ is calling you to stand on your identity in Christ, knowing that you are perfect the way that you are. You are perfectly created who you are to be and he's equipped you with every single thing you need to live the life that you're called to live. Maybe for someone younger who's struggling to understand who they are, to stand means to stand on their identity in Christ. The second thought that came to my mind, and I think of guys when I think of this, my own, I'm putting myself into this category, obviously. Um, what I think about this is like, what's it called for me to stand? What is it called for guys to stand? Maybe what Christ is calling us to do and what Paul is emphasizing for us to do in this, because of the battle, maybe he's calling us as guys to stand up and to stand out. And to begin to lead and to begin to be followers ourselves and use the influence that we've been giving all around us to be followers of Christ and to lead other people into the example of who Christ is and how he's made a difference in our lives. Maybe for guys here today, the idea to stand is to stand up and to stand out. And to put our faith out there and to follow Christ on Monday through Saturday, not just on Sundays, but to step up and into the role that God has given us, to stand out and to stand up for the gospel and the difference that it's made in our lives. 
And then finally, as I'm thinking through this concept of standing, what does it mean? And I'm thinking women and all of these and ladies, and it can go to anyone. All three can go to any person wherever it hits you. But the idea for me in thinking about this is maybe for us and some of the wives or some of the battles that are going on in our lives or for any person here, maybe to stand on the gospel that Christ has given us. Maybe he's calling you to stand down. Maybe he's calling you to stand down and allow the gospel and Christ to move into the relationships that you cannot win, to the situations that you cannot control, and he's calling you to stand down and allow God to go before you and do the battle that only he can do in the relationships that you have that you feel like you cannot win. Maybe he's calling you to stand down and allow Christ to go forward, which is, again, is really hard for us because we want to control and we want to move things forward. But he may be saying, hey, stand back and watch what I can do when you put your faith and your trust in me into all the relationships that you have. The best part about this whole thing, this whole passage in, 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 in this chapter 6, the best part to me and the most encouraging part to me is not the awareness of the battle, not the equipping of the battle, and not what we're called to do. But at the end, as it comes to a close, and Paul is finishing out this chapter, finishing out this book to the people that he loves so much in Ephesus, what he's saying to them is he, he goes up, and it's going to be on the screen. Look what Paul says to the people. He says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. You see that? Even the writer of this book who calls us to this new identity in Christ, the writer of this book, Paul, the big hitter in the New Testament, the writer of this book, Paul, calls you and I, and he asks for prayer and to be bold. That gives me a lot of encouragement because if the guy who wrote the book is asking for encouragement and prayer because this doesn't come easy to him, it gives me a lot of encouragement because this stuff, standing and being bold and putting on the armor and understanding the spiritual battle, it doesn't come easy to me and it's very difficult and I don't see it half the time. But Paul is asking for encouragement and he is asking for him, for us to pray for him so that he can be bold as he does this, which means he struggles with it just as much as you and I do. And the most encouraging thing to me is that for you, if you're here this morning and maybe your day of evil came, your day of evil came or your day of trial came and you absolutely blew it and you hear all these things and you're thinking, man, I blew it. My life's a mess. I'm not gonna, I can't do this stuff. The most encouraging thing is, is that Paul himself needs encouragement to do it. And he has asked for prayer, which gives me a lot of hope because if he blew it and needs help, it really makes me feel like we need it as well and we can get it. So if your day of evil came and you blew it, you didn't stand, there's always newness, there's freshness that comes with the gospel of grace and you can begin today to understand what's going on and to be equipped first as you walk into what life has thrown at you. Make sense? Would you rise with me as we close in prayer for our benediction? God, I pray today for each and every person here that you would make our eyes and our hearts aware of the unseen battle that is going on around us. Help us to be aware of that and to give us the discernment and grace to go about navigating that aspect well. 
God, I pray that you would equip us and we would equip ourselves first with these, this armor, these gifts that you have given and have been perfectly demonstrated and executed through Jesus Christ. I pray that through all those gifts that we would put them on first and that we would walk in righteousness and truth and that we would be, make a difference in the relationships around us that you have given us to be in. And God, I pray this morning that we would be a group of people who understand what it means to stand, to stand on the gospel, to stand on the identity that you've given us, and to move forward in the grace and truth as perfectly demonstrated by Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. If we can help you in any way, we'll be down front, and we'd love to pray with you. Thank you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.